WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Well, good afternoon, everyone, in this glorious season of Easter. Uh, we begin another Marian hour, and I'd like to do so with one of my favorite Marian prayers, which is the Memorare. So if you'll join me at this time, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that, that never, never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <coughs> well, I thought uh, today we would continue uh, with the theme of Mary and the Old Testament. If you'll recall, we had been going through various verses of the Old Testament and showing how they revealed Mary, especially for a couple of weeks, uh, the great prophecy of, of Isaiah that the virgin would conceive and bear a son and his name would be Emmanuel. We saw how that was fulfilled in the New Testament with Mary's triple virginity, her virginity in conceiving Jesus, in giving birth to him, and ever afterwards. Today I'd like to continue with the Old Testament revelation of Mary through types or figures. Okay. Typology is, a something, is something that has its roots in the early church, and <clears throat> what is a type? Well, um, a type is a person, place, or thing in the Old Testament that prefigures a person, place, or thing in the New Testament. The type is in the Old Testament. The anti-type is found in the New Testament. And <clears throat> these types in the Old Testament, well, they foreshadow or prefigure future events or persons in the New Testament. And this is true in the case of the Virgin Mary, the Blessed Virgin. <clears throat> and I will uh, offer some types of the Virgin Mary today from Old Testament women with a theme of Mary the head crusher. Okay. Uh, I, that's what I like to call Mary. She's the head crusher. crusher. We see this in the first revelation of, of a Savior uh, found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, which is also a revelation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. After Eve sins and then Adam sins, uh, God speaks to the serpent and says, I will put enmities between you, Satan, and 
the woman between your seed and her seed, and she will crush your head. If you'll recall, the Hebrew has uh, a neuter third-person pronoun, it will crush your head, which can be interpreted in either a male with a male or female pronoun. Properly speaking, it is Jesus who crushes the head of the serpent, but those words can also be applied to Mary, and we could say that she crushes the head of the serpent because she cooperates with Jesus in bringing about our redemption and salvation. And so Mary is seen in that first revelation of a Savior. We call it the Proto-Evangelium, the Proto or First Announcement of the Good News of the Gospel. And <coughs> Mary there is portrayed as crushing Satan's proud head. Well, we're going to look today to a few of the Old Testament women who were types of Mary and head crushers themselves. The first is from the book of Judges. Our little Old Testament history here. Uh, the first five books of the Bible are known as the Pentateuch, the Torah, the Law of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And that tells the creation story and God choosing Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob and the 12 sons and then goes on to relate how Moses led them out of Egypt. That's the book of Exodus. Numbers and Deuteronomy also uh, tell of, of the Israelite people and, and Moses walking them through the desert for 40 years. And <coughs> after the Pentateuch comes the book of Joshua. Now Joshua was, you could say, the right-hand man of Moses. When Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days getting the Ten Commandments, Joshua is with him. Moses dies on the um, west, pardon me, the east side of the Jordan River before the, the, the Israelites cross over the Jordan into the city of Jericho, the first city they conquer. And it is Joshua who leads them. After the Israelites settle in different tribes in different parts of, of Palestine or the Holy Land, um, the next book of the Bible after Joshua is the book of Judges. And for a couple of hundred years, from about, oh, the middle of the 13th century B.C. to the, the middle of the 11th century B.C., Israel was ruled by judges. And these were essentially um, military leaders. And it was a cycle that we see for a couple of hundred years. The Israelites, who are intermingling with various pagan tribes like the Philistines and others, they, they begin to adopt some of their pagan practices. God in punishment allows the Israelites or different tribes among the Israelites to be suppressed by various uh, pagan peoples. And a judge arises, a military leader, to defeat these peoples who are oppressing the Israelites 
And at least for a time, until the Israelites fall back into pagan idol worship <laughs> and doing bad things, um, they're victorious. Um, maybe you're familiar with some of the Old Testament judges. The strongest guy in the Old Testament was who? Do you, do you know? Was it Samson? It was Samson, yes. Samson got his strength from his hair. And remember Delilah seduced him. What's the secret of your hair? And Samson told her and she cut it off and uh, that drained his strength. Um, another of the Old Testament judges was Gideon. And still another was Barak. Uh, now Barak was actually a military leader, but he worked with another judge, a female judge named Deborah, who was a prophetess as well. And this was a time when, um, when the Israelites, as I'll read from chapter 4 of the book of Judges, the Israelites again offended the Lord. So the Lord allowed them to fall into the power of the Canaanite king, Jabin, who reigned in Hazor. And his general was named Sisera. And at this time, the prophetess Deborah was judging Israel, we're told. And she summoned Barak, who was going to be the military leader, really going out and fighting the battles. And in God's name, she commanded him, go march on Mount Tabor. Uh, Mount Tabor, do you know what happened on Mount Tabor? If you remember, Mount the, Tabor. Um, Transfiguration? The Transfiguration, yes, um, of Jesus with Moses and Elijah appearing when Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain with, with our Lord. I was on top of Mount Tabor back in October with a tour group of about 20 people. Um, you can see over overlook um, much of the land on top of Mount Tabor, a rather high mountain in Israel. Well, Deborah sends Barak to fight against the, uh, <coughs> pardon me, to fight against the Canaanites and uh, Sisera, the, the general of the Canaanite king. And Deborah says prophetically, um, the Lord will have Sisera fall into the power of a woman. Now that's significant, woman. Where do we see that phrase used in the Old Testament? That phrase is used in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, and she will crush your head. Well, we continue to read in chapter 4 of the book of Judges. Uh, Deborah says to Barak, uh, The Lord marches before you. So Barak went down to Mount Tabor, and the Lord put the Canaanite general Sisera and all his chariots, all his forces to rout before Barak. In other words, Barak routed them. But Sisera got off his horse and he fled on foot trying to escape. And he flees to the tent of a woman, uh, wife of a Kenite named Heber, and he asks for her to hide him within her tent. And she says, oh, come on right in. Okay. 
I'm reading from verse 18, chapter 4. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come in, my lord. Come in and do not be afraid. And she covered him with a rug. He said to her, Please give me a little water to drink. I'm thirsty. But she opened a jug of milk for him to drink. After he drank, she covered him over. And then Sisera said, Stand at the entrance of the tent. And if anyone comes and asks, Is there someone here? Say, No. Instead, Jael got a tent peg and took a mallet after Sisera was asleep. And while he was sound asleep, she stealthily approached him and drove the peg through his temple down into the ground. So he perished in death. Then Barak, the Israelite general, comes in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael, the woman, goes out to meet him and says, Come, I will show you the man you seek. And he sees that Sisera is dead with a tent peg through his temple. The tent pegs were, uh, those pegs, they were large. They held the ropes that tied the tent down. And then we read verse 23, chapter 4, On that day God humbled the Canaanite king Jabin. Well, uh, the Canaanite kings and their generals, you could say, were, were figures of, of Satan, the serpent, evildoers. And in chapter 5 of the book of Judges, we see a hymn, a canticle of Deborah, the judge, who is also the prophetess. And I'll read part of that. It's a very long hymn. It takes up all of chapter 5. Part of that hymn says this, Blessed among women be Jael, blessed among tent-dwelling women. He asked for water, she gave him milk. In a princely bowl, she offered curds. With her left hand, she reached for the peg, with her right for the workman's mallet. She hammered Sisera, crushed his head. She smashed, she smashed stove in his temple. Her feet, at her feet, he sank down, fell, lay still, down at her feet, he sank and fell. Well, uh, we can see how this is a prefigurement of the Virgin Mary who crushes the head of the serpent. That same verb crushed is used significantly with the story of uh, Jael and her, her defeating the general Sisera, this Canaanite general. She is a type of the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, crushes the head of the serpent, and we can imagine, you know, Mary crushing the head of, of, of Satan with, with, with her foot. And um, this will be the definitive victory, but Mary is, is already won that victory, in a sense, by standing at the foot of Jesus on the cross. And Satan's kingdom was defeated at that time, but the complete definitive victory will come about only at the end of time. In the meantime, the Blessed Virgin Mary is like Jael was in the Old Testament, um, an advocate for us, um, one who fights in defense of, 
of her people, Jael for the Israelites and the Blessed Virgin Mary for the people of God, the new people of God, uh, all who are baptized in Jesus Christ, washed in his blood. Well, <coughs> so there is one Old Testament type of the Virgin Mary, Jael, uh, and again, this is related in the book of Judges, chapter 4 and then chapter 5. Now we'll go to another great type of the Virgin Mary. And in fact, there's a book in the Bible named after her. It is the book of Judith. Now, the book of Judith um, describes the um, Israelite community at the time of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Assyria, he decided to invade the countries of Western Asia. And um, the Israelites refused to aid him in his war against the Medes. Um, and so as, as a punishment for the Israelites' refusal to join with Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Assyria, he sends his general, Holofernes, with an army of about 132,000 men. And Holofernes camps near Bethulia, which is, I, I believe it's to the south of the city of Jerusalem. And he's going to march on, on the Israelites because they refused to help him. And then they refused to surrender to Holofernes. And Holofernes, the general, he besieges the, the town of Bethulia. He cuts off their water, and they're ready to surrender. Um, however, a young widow named Judith steps forward, and she argues against surrendering to Holofernes and the Assyrians. And she urges the elders that they must put their trust in God and that God promises to deliver the city, actually the city of Jerusalem. Okay. And I'm going to be reading from the, the story of, of Judith from the book of Judith. Um, it's a short book in the Old Testament. It contains... Um, oh, let me see here. I think it's 16 chapters. Yes. I see we're, we're about running out of time for our first break, so I'll just stop my sh myself short there and in just a couple of minutes return and tell the rest of the story about Judith. Hello, I am Bishop Don Hying from the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. Catholic Radio has a remarkable reach into the minds and hearts of all sorts of people who may not be going to church, who may not have any other connection 
to learning about the faith. I know so many people have grown in the Catholic faith because they listen to Catholic radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. For over 150 years, Catholic Financial Life has been protecting our members while caring for our brothers and sisters in need. In response to this pandemic, Catholic Financial Life is launching our Love One Another campaign. Between now and May 15th, Catholic Financial Life will match dollar for dollar the first $50,000 donated in order to create a $100,000 impact. All money raised will go to local charities on the front lines, like first responders, hospitals, or food pantries. Will you join us? Visit www.cfl.org and click on the Donate Today button. That is cfl.org and donate today. At Catholic Financial Life, we are always with you. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Okay, we return now to the Marian Hour. I'm Father Dwight Campbell, and today we are talking about Old Testament types, figures of the Blessed Virgin Mary. A type is a person, place, or thing that foreshadows um, a person, place, or event in the New Testament. Old Testament types are fulfilled in the New Testament with their anti-types. There are a number of women from the Old Testament who were types of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Church has come to acknowledge them as such with the coming of Jesus Christ and the fullness of his revelation. I spoke in the first segment, the first 20 minutes, about one of those types of the Virgin Mary. We find her name, Jael, in the fourth and fifth chapters of the book of Judges in the Old Testament. And she drove a stake through the head. She crushed the head, as the scriptures tell us, of the enemy of the Israelites, the Canaanite general Sisera, inviting him into her tent and manifesting God's victory over these 
pagan nations. Uh, and for this segment, I'm going to talk about another Old Testament type of the Blessed Virgin Mary from the Old Testament, who has, in fact, a book named after her. And this is the woman Judith. And <clears throat> as I was saying before our break, um, this setting takes place um, with the Assyrian king Nebuchadnezzar. He wanted to invade the Medes and get the help of Israel. The Israelites refused, so he, he's going to march on them. He marches on a city, Bethulia, which was kind of a gateway to uh, the town of Bethulia, was a gateway to the city of Jerusalem. And he camps outside this town of Bethulia. The Israelites refuse to surrender, and Judith encourages the Israelite elders not to surrender, to put their trust in God. And I'll quote here from chapter 8 of the book of Judith. This is Judith speaking to the elders of the Israelites. God is not a man that he should be moved by threats, threats of this whole nefarious, nor human that he may be given an ultimatum. After she says this, the text tells us, uh, quoting her, So while we wait for the salvation that comes from him, let us call upon him to help us, and he will hear our cry if it is his, his good pleasure. Well, uh, Judith then exhorts the Israelite elders and their leaders, Listen to me. Uh, let me pass through the gates and <clears throat> enter into the area where Holnefernes is encamped. And she says, the Lord will rescue Israel at my hand. And here, chapter 9 of the book of Judith begins, telling us that Judith threw herself down prostrate with ashes strewn upon her head. She prays to the Lord God before she begins this journey into the enemy camp. And this is part of her prayer. O God, my God, hear me. Whatever you devise comes into being. Your judgment is made with foreknowledge. She acknowledges here with these words that God sees the past, present, and future. Continuing, she says, here are, here are the Assyrians, a vast force, priding themselves on horse and chariot, boasting of the power of their infantry, trusting in shield and spear, bow and sling. They do not know that you, the Lord, crush warfare. Lord is your name. Shatter their strength with your might and crush their force in your wrath. Well, we see that same verb being used, crushing the enemy, uh, the enemy who represents evil, those are, who are opposed to God and goodness and truth, and you could say who are on are, are instruments of, of Satan, uh, people who uh, pride themselves on horse and rider, like Satan, who was prideful, okay? And then, <coughs> 
Judith continues, see their pride and send forth your wrath upon their heads. Again, God will be crushing the heads of the enemies. Give me, says Judith, a widow, the strong hand to execute my plan. With the guile of my lips, smite the slave together with the ruler, the ruler together with his servant. Crush their pride by the hand of a woman. Now we can, again, go back to Genesis chapter 3. It is the woman that opposes Satan that will crush his proud head. We see that theme revealed in, uh, in, in a way with these words of Judith. She is this woman who will bring about the victory of God and crushing, defeating uh, the pride of their enemies. Continuing, Judith says this, Your strength is not in numbers, nor does your power depend upon stalwart men. But you are the God of the lowly, the helper of the oppressed, the supporter of the weak, the protector of the forsaken, the savior of those without hope. And so we see here, um, you know, another Old Testament theme that God, God is the one who helps the poor, the oppressed, uh, the lowly. God will come to the aid of the Israelites here and the aid of Judith specifically. Now, <clears throat> we go to chapter 10 of Judith, and we read the following lines. As Judith and her maid walked directly across the valley, she's leaving the, the town of Bethulia, she's going into the enemy camp where Holofernes is encamped. Um, it says she encounters the Assyrian outpost, and the, the guards come out, asking her who she is. She says, I am a daughter of the Hebrews, and I am fleeing from them because they are about to be delivered up to you as prey. While well, she's telling this to them to feed their sinful pride. Okay? She continues, she says, I have come to see Holofernes, the general, to give him a trustworthy report. I will show him the route by which he can take to ascend and take possession of the whole mountain district without a single loss of his men suffering injury or loss of life. So these Assyrian soldiers, they lead Judith into the camp of Holofernes. And we read, this is chapter 10, verse 21, the Holofernes was reclining on his bed under a canopy with a netting of crimson and gold, emeralds, and other precious stones. He's wealthy, he's a general, and he's just uh, in the lap of luxury, okay? And it continues, verse 23, Holofernes and his servants beheld Judith, and they all marveled at the beauty of her face, okay? Well, this is beauty that will seduce him into uh, uh, winning a defeat for, for Judith and the Israelites. And <coughs> Judith then speaks to him. This is chapter 11. I'm skipping forward a little bit, verse 19. Judith says, I will lead you through Judea till you come to Jerusalem, and there I will set up your judgment seat. You will drive them like sheep, 
that have no shepherd. Her words pleased Holofernes. And <clears throat> then we read, No other woman from one end of the earth to the other looks so beautiful and speaks so wisely. These were Holofernes' words. So he's enraptured by her beauty. And then Holofernes says, God has done well in sending you ahead of your people to bring victory to our arms and destruction to those who have despised my Lord. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to continue to read now. And um, Holofernes has a banquet. This is chapter 12 of the book of Judith. And um, Holofernes, on the fourth day, um, since she came to meet him, he gives a banquet for his servants. And uh, the book of Judith, chapter 12, tells us that uh, Judith proceeded to put on her festive garments and all her feminine adornments. She wants to look good for this general. Uh, the heart of Holofernes was in rapture over her. He was burning with desire to possess her, to seduce her. So he's got evil intentions in his heart. Holofernes, charmed by her, drank a great, a great quantity of wine, more than he had ever drunk on one single day of his life. So he's getting pretty drunk um, and plotting uh, lustful things against Judith. And um, Judith is playing along with, with this because she has trust that God will, will come to her aid on behalf of the Israelites. And chapter 13 tells us that Judith was left alone in the tent with Holofernes, who lay prostrate on his bed, for he was sodden with wine. In other words, he's pretty filled with wine, more than he had ever been in his whole life. And then we read, this is chapter 13, verse 8, Then with all her might, Judith struck him twice in the neck and cut off his head. The head of Holofernes she put into the food pouch of her maidservant. And then she walks out of the tent. She walks out of the camp all the way to the town of Bethulia, where she had come from, on the mountain. And all the people hurriedly assemble together, all the Israelites. And here Judith urges them in a loud voice, Praise God, praise him, praise God who has not withdrawn his mercy from the house of Israel, but has shattered our enemies by his hand this very night. Then she took out the head from the pouch, showed it to them, and said, Here is the head of Holofernes. The Lord struck him down by the hand of a woman. These are the words of Judith. Well, we can see again, you know, a, a, how this verse relates to that verse in the Proto-Evangelium, Genesis 3.15, uh, God speaking to the serpent, 
I will put enmities between you, Satan, the woman. She will crush your head. Well, Judith is the woman who cuts off the head of Holofernes. And <coughs> continuing chapter 13, verse 17, all the people, the Israelites, were greatly astonished. They bowed down and worshipped God, saying with one accord, Blessed are you, our God, who today have brought to naught the enemies of your people. Then the Jewish leader Uzziah says to her, Blessed are you, daughter, by the Most High God, above all the women on earth, and blessed be the Lord God, the Creator of heaven and earth, who guided your blow at the head of the chief of our enemies. Your deed of hope will never be forgotten by those who tell of the might of God. Now, I'll just stop there before going on uh, and quoting some other verses um, in the book of Judith. That verse I just read, Blessed are you, daughter, by the Most High God, above all the women on earth. Blessed be the Lord who guided your blow at the head of the chief of our enemies. Okay. Your deed of hope will never be forgotten by those who tell of the might of God. These verses have been used in the liturgy uh, because throughout the centuries, people have recognized that Judith was a type of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And where do we express our, our belief in, in this fact, in this truth? Well, one of the ways is in the liturgical prayers. And I'll go now to one of the Masses in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I like to talk about the liturgy and the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know, in the, in the missals throughout the history of the Church, there have been many Masses uh, for the major feast days, of course, like the Immaculate Conception and Mary's Assumption. But there are other votive Masses, Masses um, that are offered just in, in honor and praise of the Blessed Virgin Mary under many, many titles. We see this in the uh, Pre-Vatican II Missal. There are many Masses in honor of the Virgin Mary. And a number of those Masses, in fact, have been carried over into the, the, the new Missal and, and collections of prayers and Masses in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The, the Vatican... I believe it was 1979, put together a collection of Masses in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary, many of them taken from uh, the prior missals prior to Vatican II, and they celebrate Mary under different titles in different seasons. Uh, this was first translated into English, these Masses, back in uh, the late 80s. I think it was finally published and made available in about 91. But there was a new, a new edition done because, uh, you know, there was a new translation of of the prayers, of the, the Eucharistic prayer, so on and so forth. In um, I think it was about 2011, 12, and there was a new edition of the Masses in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, as as a result of that uh, new translation. And these Masses <coughs> are approved for use in dioceses in the United States of America. And oftentimes, uh, 
it's recommended that, that they be offered on Saturdays. Saturday is the day of Our Lady. Sunday is the day of Our Lord. And these beautiful masses uh, give one an opportunity if, if the Saturday is available, if it's not you know, superseded by another great uh, important feast of some other, of a saint or whatever, um, these masses are available for priests to offer. I like to, to remind priests to offer these masses in honor of Our Lady. You can do this on Saturday mornings. The collection of masses is just a, a beautiful collection, Mary under various titles. And that verse I just read from, from Judith, well, we see that verse appearing in one of the masses in honor of Our Lady. And that is the Mass of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Help of Christians. And I'm reading from the lectionary, uh, the, the collection of Masses of the Virgin Mary. Uh, there, are, there, there is a, um, a, a, a missal with the prayers for the Mass, and then there's a lectionary for the readings for the Masses. I'm reading from the, the missal, which describes, it's number 42, uh, of, of the Masses, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, help of Christians. And there's an explanatory note saying that the Church has often experienced the extraordinary help of the Mother of God in times of persecution by enemies of the Christian faith. Well, this is true uh, with the enemies of the Israelites back at the time of Judith, of course. So, uh, the that's, that's how... Judith and these verses I read just a few minutes ago tie in here and are used in the liturgy for the Mass in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary, help of Christians. And the explanatory note for this Mass goes on to say that from earliest centuries, Mary has been invoked under the title, Help of Christians. And <clears throat> the readings for this Mass, uh, one of the optional readings is Genesis 3.15. Mary crushes the head of the serpent. Another is Revelation 12, where Mary is in warfare with the dragon. Okay, she's the woman clothed with the sun, moon under her feet, on her head a crown of 12 stars. The gospel for this Mass is uh, Mary at Cana. She intercedes, goes before uh, this couple that, that is in dire need because they've run out of wine. And the entrance antiphon for the Mass Blessed Virgin Mary, help of Christians, is from chapter 13, verse 9 of the book of Judith. I'll read it once again. People will never cease to praise you as they recall the power of the Lord forever. Now, these words were spoken in regard to praising Judith, but we have adapted them in order to praise the Blessed Virgin Mary who is the help of Christians. I think we're out of time now for our second um, segment. We'll just take a short break before our third segment, where we'll continue with the book of Judith.
sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MAT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Listen at 7 o'clock p.m. every Tuesday to WSFI Spotlight, a half-hour conversation with outstanding Catholics from our community and around the world. WSFI Spotlight re-airs on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. or listen on demand anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit WSFIRadio.org for more information. It's WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Only on WSFI Catholic Radio, Tuesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Hello, this is Father Dwight Campbell back with more of the Marian Hour. We're going to finish up this hour. We have about another, oh, close to 15 minutes. And in case you're just joining us, today I'm talking about Old Testament types of the Blessed Virgin Mary. A type, again, is a person, place, or thing in the Old Testament which foreshadows a person, place, event in the New Testament. The Old Testament type is, is complemented by the New Testament anti-type. And in the case of the Blessed Virgin Mary, there are types of Mary in the Old Testament. We can look to Eve, okay, uh, who, who sinned. Uh, Mary is the anti-type. She is the mother of all the living, truly the living, because Eve, through her sin, brought death, life with Mary. Other Old Testament women are, are figures or types of Mary, really in a good sense. I spoke of Jael in the book of Judges, who um, drove a stake through the head of the Canaanite general Sisera, uh, helping to defeat that evil enemy against the Israelites. And in the last segment, I was speaking about the great figure Judith, a woman from the Old Testament who has a book in the Old Testament named after her. It tells the story of Judith, who bravely, courageously went into the camp of the Assyrian general Holofernes, uh, beguiled him with her beauty, and after he was drunk, she cut off his head. And, uh, well, I was pointing out how the praise of, of Judith is reflected in masses in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the collection of masses in regard to Mary that we have that the Church has given us. And one of those masses is the Blessed Virgin Mary help of Christians. In chapter 13, verse 9 of the book of Judith, this, these words are 
are offered in praise of Judith. Your deed of hope will never be forgotten by those who tell of the might of your God. And that is actually uh, used as the entrance antiphon for the Mass in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary, help of Christians. Okay. And I should just tell the rest of the story in regard to <laughs> uh, Holofernes' head being cut off. Once the Assyrians learned of this, they all fled. So this, in, in, in reality, saved the Israelites from the, the aggression of the Assyrians and the Assyrian king Holofernes. Uh, the readings for the Mass in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Help of Christians, um, include, instead of a responsorial psalm, we have... Uh, verses from the book of Judith, chapter 16. And I'm going to read those verses first from the book of Judith. Okay. First, I'll, I'll read from chapter 15. The high priest, Joachim, and the elders of the Israelites, they come out to congratulate Judith after she returns to to the city of Bethulia. She has Holofernes' head. And with one accord, they all bless her with these words. You are the glory of Jerusalem, the surpassing joy of Israel. You are the splendid boast of our people. Well, <coughs> uh, Pope St. John Paul II in one of his Wednesday audience addresses, this is back in the 1990s, he talked about how Judith was a type of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And he quoted those words that I just, I just quoted from, from the lips of those who were praising Judith. You are the glory of Jerusalem, the surpassing joy of Israel. You are the splendid boast of our people. And Pope John Paul II, in, in his talk on Judith, says that the person of Judith became an archetype of the Virgin Mary. And uh, those words, you are the exaltation of Jerusalem, the great glory of Israel, the great pride of our nation. And he relates those words to Mary's words in her Magnificat. Mary in the Magnificat praises God, saying, He has put down the mighty from their thrones, has raised up the humble. And uh, this is the Virgin Mary really giving an attestation to the fact that you know, she is the fulfillment of, of all these Old Testament types like Judith. And <coughs> we can continue to read in the, in the um, book of Judith, chapter 16, uh, this hymn of praise, a song of thanksgiving that that is related in chapter 16 of the book of Judith. I'll read a number of the verses here because if you keep in mind that, again, Judith is a type of the Virgin Mary, she foreshadows Mary, think in both of these terms that, that, that Judith is foreshadowing the Virgin Mary who fulfills these words uh, with her person and her cooperation with Jesus in redeeming us and in defeating Satan in crushing his head. Here's the, the song of praise from chapter 16 of the book of Judith. Strike up the instruments, a song to my God with timbrels. 
for the Lord is God. He crushes warfare. Assyrian, the Assyrian came from the mountains of the north, but the Lord Almighty thwarted them. By a woman's hand, he confounded them. Not by you, this was the mighty one struck down. So we see again this reference to the woman defeating these evil forces. Well, again, we relate back to Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium. The woman will crush Satan's head. This song of praise from chapter 16 of Judith continues. Her sandals caught his eyes. Her beauty captured his mind. The sword cut through his neck. And <clears throat> then we read in verse 13, A new hymn I will sing to my God. O Lord, great are you and glorious, wonderful in power and unsurpassable. Let your every creature serve you, for you spoke they were made. You sent forth your spirit, they were created. No one can resist your word. Well, rocks like wax melt before your glance. Okay. Um, well, this is in praise of our God and also these words in praise of Our Lady. I'll read from the Mass of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Help of Christians, the psalm response, which is actually not from a psalm, it's taken from chapter 16 of Judith. A new hymn I will sing to my God. O Lord, great you are and glorious, wonderful, unsurpassable. Let every creature serve you. You spoke, they were made. You sent forth your spirit, they were created. No one can resist your word. Mountains to their bases, seas are shaken. Rocks like wax melt before your glance. But to those who fear you, you are very merciful. Well, uh, the Israelites were humble and feared the Lord with a holy reverential fear. Uh, another mass in honor of Our Lady is Our Lady of Ransom. This is from the collection of masses in honor of the Virgin Mary. And actually, in the collection of masses, 42 is the Virgin Mary Help of Christians. The very next mass is our Lady of Ransom. <clears throat> and the explanatory note for this Mass tells of how the order of Our Lady of Ransom was founded to ransom Christians who were captives of the Muslims back in the 13th century. St. Peter Nolasco founded them. They became known as the Mercedarians. And um, as the explanatory note for this Mass says, this Mass is also a commemoration of Our Lady, who is called the Handmaid of Our Redemption. And this Mass is celebrated as Mary, recognizing Mary as a new Judith, just as the first Judith courageously freed her people from the siege by Holofernes. So Mary, in her warfare against the serpent, the ancient enemy, Genesis 3.15, okay, brought blessings upon the people of Israel and on the whole church. So um, we see a reference to this in the Mass of Our Lady of Ransom. The first reading for this Mass is a reading from the book of Judith, and it speaks of how the high priest Joachim, the elders of the Israelites, they go out to congratulate Judith, and I'll repeat these words again because, again, we can apply them to Mary as, as our liturgy does. 
with this Mass. You are the glory of Jerusalem, the surpassing joy of Israel, the splendid boast of our people. Well, if this can be said of, of Judith, it's all the more true of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, one other thing I'd like to comment upon in the couple minutes I have left, okay, and that is Mary beguiled Holofernes by her beauty. And there is a Mass in honor of the Virgin Mary, which looks to those verses in the book of Judith, but applies them to Mary under the title, this is a Mass number 36 from the collection, The Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of Fairest Love. And this recognizes that Mary, um, the Church celebrates in this Mass her beauty, her spiritual beauty. Mary would have been physically beautiful, of course, but also, more importantly, she would have radiated holiness and truth. And the Blessed Virgin Mary is called beautiful because she's full of grace, she is adorned with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and she is resplendent with the glory of her Son and the beauty of holiness. And um, in this Mass, we, we honor Mary as that beautiful one who, who is, as I said, beautiful not only in a physical way, but much more, much in a deeper way than that spiritually. Um, Judith was so beautiful, she enraptured Holofernes, and this enabled her to, to defeat him. And the Blessed Virgin Mary, her spiritual beauty, her fullness of grace, her conformity completely to God's will is what enabled her to cooperate fully with God's will in conceiving Jesus and then in redeeming us at the foot of the cross, associating herself with her son in his saving redemption. Uh, we'll continue with this theme of Mary and Old Testament types next time we have our Marian Hour two weeks from today. Thank and you. And Father, could we have your closing blessing on our audience, please? Absolutely. Um, through the intercession of the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, may Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to The Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell. For a free copy of this recording, please visit us at wsfipodbean.com.